0: This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports. All things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line
1: with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law joining you on Fox Sports Central Alabama AU100 and Kicks 96.3. We're happy to be with you here on your Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We got a full show for you, but before we get to it, Jeremy, how you doing today, my man?
2: Doing well, buddy. It's great to be on the weekend. College football is another Saturday closer. We've had games this week. It's been college football is here. Big time college football is another Saturday closer.
1: We're three weeks away, and there's been major news this past week in college football as far as opt outs. Auburn's been dealing with coronavirus issues, 16 players out of practice this week because of that. We're going to touch on all those topics coming up here on on the line. First off, let's get started with the opt-outs. That's the most recent news that has shaken up the college football universe or at least in the SEC. The college football universe got a lot smaller when the Big 10 and the Pac-12 decided to opt out of their seasons, but a couple of major players in the SEC deciding they're going to sit on the sidelines This year and more than likely prepare for the NFL draft we'll start off talking about Jamie Newman at Georgia Georgia's going to be scrambling at quarterback I think we all know who's going to end up starting at Georgia now that Jamie Newman has exited the pitcher and has decided to prepare for the 2021 NFL draft but we all thought Jamie Newman was going to be the guy at quarterback we thought he was the bona fide starter and now it's probably going to be JT Daniels
2: what a what a breaking news headline what last Wednesday afternoon with Jamie Newman who the college football pundits quote unquote experts quote unquote analysts quote unquote people who thought Jamie Newman was the answer to everything that Jake Fromm wasn't able to be during his 3 years as a starter in Athens and this one blows up right there in in, in the in the middle of fall camp on a Wednesday afternoon Jamie Newman Decides to opt out, people had this guy in their Heisman contenders. They had him as the first or second best quarterback in the SEC, and he's never played really an SEC defense. He's never played a grueling schedule. And now the Georgia Bulldogs are left with JT Daniels, who was a promising, promising recruit, transfers in from USC. He got his waiver about a month ago. So he looks like the one to step in, but... This isn't just a Georgia problem. This isn't just affecting the Georgia Bulldogs. It's affecting the LSU Tigers. It's affecting teams and players who think their team will not be able to boost their draft stock. And I don't think Jamie Newman's draft stock could have gotten any higher than it is on or was on Wednesday.
1: Right, he cites coronavirus concerns, but like okay. this is a little late in the game to be sitting out because of the coronavirus, right? Like fall camps been started fall camp we're several weeks into it now no, and we're workout, approaching man. we're like halfway through fall camp we're approaching week one it kind of seems late for opt-outs and now we're getting reports you know that other lsu players are considering opting out you know why it's because they see the writing on the wall for what's going to happen in 2020 for these two respective football teams i think georgia is in a better situation than lsu when you look at how they've recruited, oh, yeah. the defense is still going to be really good. The offense, I think, is going to struggle this year. And so we'll isolate these two situations. We'll talk about Georgia first and how this affects the SEC East race. JT Daniels probably going to be the starting quarterback now. I don't know why it wouldn't be. His stats are not impressive when you look nope. at what he did at USC. In the Pac-12, where defense is optional, he had 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions in 12 games. He almost threw a pick every single game. That is just not a good touchdown-interception ratio, which really brings up the question, is this guy's decision-making where it needs to be when you're going to be playing against SEC defenses? And we talked about this last week when we thought Jamie Newman was going to be the starting quarterback. We thought, yeah, maybe he could elevate Georgia's offense a little bit, but we still think that this young, inexperienced group on offense could cost Georgia the SEC East title. Now they've got a guy who really doesn't have a track record of elevating the talent around him. And he's going to be relying. I mean, he's, he's worse than Jake Fromm. And Jake Fromm had a hard time elevating the talent around him. If anything, it made him worse. And so I really now, I think the writing is on the wall. And maybe Jamie Newman saw it. Maybe not. Maybe it really is coronavirus concerns. But for me, when I look at this, and I said last week that I'm leaning Gator Blue when I'm talking about the SEC East, I'm not leaning anymore. I'm standing on that side of the line. Florida, in my eyes, is the front runner in the SEC East.
2: I don't think this the coronavirus for Jamie Newman, and it's not the talent around him either. You're looking at a weird year where everybody's opting out. The you now have an excuse to opt out. Normally, NFL scouts would have questioned your character. They would have asked. Does this guy love the game of football? We've seen that about Leonard Fournette. They say he just doesn't love football, and he got to the league. He wanted to make his money, and he kind of just wants to hang around for the rest of his career. What does Jamie? They would have asked, does Jamie Newman love football? But now with all these other guys, Jamar Chase, Jamie Newman, multiple other people at LSU, that's not – you can use the coronavirus as a crutch. And, and listen, I think everybody's probably a little concerned. You and I are also a tad concerned about coronavirus. I don't, I'm not Kirk Cousins, if I die, I die, coronavirus. (laughs) But I'm also just a little concerned. Like, let's not go in big groups and gatherings and, and, and things of that such. But for Jamie Newman, I think he's looking. It's not the talent. He'll have receivers to throw to. But at the end of this year, is Jamie Newman's stock going to be higher than it is when he came out of Wake Forest? And the answer is absolutely not. The guys, they're ranking him as the first or second best quarterback in the SEC without ever taking a snap. He'll be now focusing his time on getting a script of plays ready to practice in a in a preconditioned pro day, probably with Georgia and in, with an agent and NFL scouts just throwing against air to his receivers of choice. And then the NFL scouts are going to have to make a decision, say, is Jamie Newman good enough to be a top three-round quarterback without, without playing in college? And I think that if Jamie Newman's goal was to be drafted in the top three rounds, he – probably made the best decision for himself to sit out opt out not get injured but also not show NFL Scouts that he can't get it done against the absolute best talent in the country I don't think I don't think Jamie Newman had anything to prove I think Jamie Newman had everything to lose when you talk about his
1: future going into the NFL draft see I actually think he's pretty far down on quarterback draft boards yeah, he could have he could have gotten he could have gone, gone down way more. down you're right he could have gone down more. But now he can't increase, and I don't think he's got. I, I, I don't think he's got any hope of getting into a top three round I th- draft. Pick. I think he can increase. You you talk about a,
2: an ACL injury to a quarterback or two. Somebody getting hurt. Somebody having a horrible year, like a Jake Fromm two years ago about saying, "Oh, this is this because this guy could be the first pick in the NFL draft." Where did he go?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, if you and if you're if you're him, if you're he's barely Newman, on the
1: Bills roster. If you're at
2: Newman, if you're Newman and you're looking, Jake Fromm couldn't get it done, and you know Jake Fromm's a better thrower than you are and probably a better NFL pro quarterback than you are, why would you go, why would you do this? And I think that it makes the NFL scouts and GMs make a decision without Jamie Newman making that decision for them, because I didn't. I thought Georgia and Florida were going to be close. You could have give them, You could have given the nod to Florida no matter what, when you just look at Kyle Trask and that team Florida has coming back. But Jamie Newman, now he's going to make the scouts make the choice, and he's not making the choice for them.
1: Let's talk about Georgia versus Florida now with what Georgia's got coming back or really coming in this year now with JT Daniels. And the film on JT Daniels not that impressive. No, I mean, he had no. his good and he definitely had his bad. When you look at 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, he's only a 61% completion percentage guy. You know what those numbers shout to me? Those numbers are a lot like Jeremy Johnson's from Auburn's. And I, I believe that Jeremy Johnson had good intangibles like I think he knew how to th- through throw a good football he just threw to the other team too much he didn't have good decision making and it didn't seem like when the lights turned on that the game turned on for Jeremy Johnson just inside the helmet right so Jeremy Johnson wasn't now that he wasn't a gamer just when when the game was was on it was a whole different ball game for Jeremy Johnson than it seemed to be about what you heard about him in practice the same thing could be true about GT Daniels Good prospect coming into college football, but what has he done for you? And USC's got talent compared to other Pac-12 schools. USC being a sub-500, barely above 500 team some years, just is mind-boggling to me with how they've been able to recruit prior to this past year. This past year was an abysmal recruiting year, but just mind-boggling to me how USC has just fell, fell below eight wins or less even mm-hmm. every year. And he's got the talented skill positions around him compared to other Pac-12 schools. And so JT Daniel, I don't think that he's going to be able to elevate Georgia's game. I think this is Florida's year or possibly someone else. Like, I really think that this drives Georgia from potential SEC East champions again, all the way down to third or fourth. Uh, if the offense truly is that bad the defense is good enough to get them to the sec title game but is the offense going to hold them back and if they now lose to florida which i think in my mind is a given now i'm picking florida right now now i have the right to change my opinion on that once we see these teams play georgia could be fine with jt daniels at quarterback you never know but right now my pick is florida to win the east And then what happens in some 50-50 games against Kentucky and Tennessee, who I really think have improved a lot over the summer?
2: You've got to ask yourself that question. The reason people were so excited about Newman is that you're going to have a retooled, repieced Georgia offensive line, and he is a guy, he is an electric playmaker. Get out of the pocket, he'll make some Johnny Manziel-type throws, he'll elude your defense, he will wear your defense out because your defense is going to be chasing him for four quarters, and he's the type of guy that doesn't get tired. He's the type of guy that thrives on running around the pocket and making plays and off-crowd excitement. Now you look at it, you got a sitting duck in Daniels behind a retooled offensive line that has a potential to get better, but it's not going to be good by the time they play Alabama. They return a good defense, but a, a defense has also given up a lot of points, kind of like Alabama says. Georgia's defense has been better, but against good teams, they've also given up a lot of points. Look at the LSU uh, SEC title game. Joe Burrow did to them what Joe Burrow did to everyone else. And then you look over there at Florida and you say, Florida's got it going on in the trenches. They have an experienced quarterback, probably the best quarterback in the SEC, according to a lot of pundits and experts and analysts. Again, they have receivers. They have a quality, quality head coach and and Dan Mullen. And you got to just say right now, you look at it. Florida's winning the East. And then how far does Georgia fall? Does Tennessee figure out a way to chip away a few wins, and maybe they lose a couple in the other divisions, to Alabama and Auburn, but do they beat Georgia head-to-head? Can Kentucky, if they somehow beat Auburn in an 11 a.m. kick, build some momentum and knock off Georgia and Tennessee and then in a magical year of coronavirus, Kentucky's second in the East? Georgia can go from 1A, 1B here to 4
1: with a snap of a finger with an opt-out in Jamie Newman. And what's so interesting – about the SEC East in comparison to the SEC West is the amount of experience. There's so much more experience in the top of the SEC East than there is in the SEC West. Alabama's coming back with a lot of guys, and A&M's got a lot of guys coming back, but Auburn and LSU are trying to replace multiple position groups in their entirety, more so LSU than Auburn. But when you look at the SEC East picture, they've all got quarterbacks coming back except for Georgia. Florida's got a guy coming back that they're confident in, and they should be very confident in Kyle Trask. Uh, Just being able to manage a football game and still make some key throws. I mean, he was nearly a 3,000-yard passer last year. Kentucky's got a guy they're coming back with that they're excited about and they're happy he's back from an injury. You hope he doesn't have another ACL tear, another knee issue, but he's a dual-threat guy. Reminds me a lot of Nick Marshall. He's a worse version of Nick Marshall. He's not as good of a passer as Nick yep. Marshall was, and maybe not even as good of a runner. But if I had to comp him to somebody recently out of the SEC, it's Nick Marshall. He's not as good, but he's in that. He's same, a guy
2: Kentucky needs.
1: He's in that same style of quarterback. He's not the big bruising runner. He's the athlete runner. And then Tennessee's got a guy coming back in Garantano that they feel good in. I don't think that he's a world beater, but I don't think he's going to lose them a lot of games either. I think he's going to be a game manager, and if he can manage the tools around him, Tennessee's going to be in some football games, and they showed that last year. They showed it against Alabama. They showed the ability to be able to compete. Georgia is the outlier here, and I don't know what JT Daniels would have looked like last year. JT Daniels is coming off of an injury. He only got a game of action before Keaton Slovis took over after Daniels got outed for the year due to an injury injury. And so, who knows, maybe Daniels will improve leaps and bounds, but it's kind of hard to be away for football for nearly two years and come back and be leaps and bounds better, right? Maybe two years from now, like next season, J.T. Daniels could be a really good SEC quarterback, but I don't know if it's this year for Georgia,
2: especially with so much inexperience around him. You don't – look, at even as good as Jake Fromm was, or maybe you say as bad as he was, with a seasoned veteran quarterback, Georgia was – I know they made it to a national title game and they made it to a college football playoff were are never able to get it done. Is JT Daniels better than Jake Fromm with a retooled offensive line, a retooled backfield?
1: Retooled receiving core they're, other than George they're, Pickens? They're going to
2: have – they got to D-Rob, and they got a couple of guys that can play. But I did, other than George Pickens, like, who is this guy going to be throwing to? And does Georgia trust him? This isn't the days of Jake Coker, you know, going 12 for 17 through the air and you muscling out a ball game. Those days are done. And is, they, I, do you see Kirby Smart allowing – JT Daniels as a probably a fifty five percent passer to throw the ball forty times a game. It's not happening. That it's gonna be and they don't they don't have a chance to win a national title. That's gone. And I'm not sure they had it with Jamie Newman.
1: LSU loses Jamar Chase and a couple of other players, and some guys are also thinking about it, but LSU loses their number, their only target. I shouldn't say their number one. He was their number one, but he's also their only target on offense. Obviously, they've recruited pretty well, especially at running back John Emery coming in. He was a highly touted recruit at the running back position a couple of years ago, but for Miles Brennan at quarterback, a guy who has little to no game experience in an LSU uniform, his only target at wide receiver, that was just bona fide NFL talent, like he was a stud, is gone now. And Jamar Chase opts out. He didn't indicate whether or not he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. He may come back next year, for all we know. But he opted out this year. Yeah, that to me, talk about writing on the wall or in this segment when we said that to me, that's Jamar Chase saying, "Man, I see what we've got on this team. I don't know if I want to play with this." I'm okay. To me, maybe I'm overstepping my bounds there.
2: I don't know. No, I mean, you're a sports talk radio host. You can say what you want to say. <laughs> to me, I, I think you're going to start seeing more guys like Jamar Chase, who have played two years of college football, have consistently been one of the top five receivers in college football. Why would you come back for your junior year? Like, even if Joe Burrow was back, and you could say, well, he's going to do it because Miles Brennan is bad. Yeah, I agree. Miles Brennan is bad. Your OC is gone. Your DC is gone. You're missing like 17 starters now from the national title game roster, but it's why would borderline you play? no hope to to repeat, but, right? But what was the Who cares about repeating? These guys don't care about repeating. Why would they? Some of them mind. You're Jamar Chase. You're the only thing keeping you from being the first receiver off the board next year is that you're a sophomore. That you, you've only played two. You've only two years out of high school instead of three. If that's what's keeping you out, just wait till the third year why what's the what's the point of coming back like Mari cooper and some of these other guys you never knew if they were going to be the guy and you also have a much better leader in tuscaloosa than you have in baton rouge i think you've seen that over the last couple weeks of how everything's happened there but why would you play for jamar chase the only thing that's the only reason that you may not have been the number one receiver last year is because you were a sophomore instead of a junior jamar chase more more power to these athletes to do this they don't owe lsu anything it's a trade it's a trade deal Education, a place to work out, a place to get better for winning games. They both happen. Jamar Chase, go live your life happily.
1: LSU's in trouble. They're in trouble. Ed Orgeron's in trouble. Big trouble. Like, I see Gene Chiswick like trajectory here maybe for worse. Ed Orseron. I don't know if I'd say maybe worse. He's
2: got to play 10 SEC games in a row. He ain't going to have a couple cupcake wins over whoever Gene Chiswick beat in 2012.
1: Auburn, a and Alabama and Florida are all automatic losses L-L-L-L-L. for LSU, and then you wonder. And I've gone on the record on this show saying I think LSU is going to lose to Mississippi State Week One. I do. I agree. And you're five and five. This year may be worse, and if you've lost to Mississippi State, I don't think they'll lose to anybody else on their schedule now because no, listen, they got a pretty be... easy they got a pretty easy shake of things from the East opponents that they added with Vanderbilt and Missouri. So I, I think you're looking at probably five and five with LSU. Not much better, though. Probably not much worse. Well, so five v- and five, they get Van Vanderbilt,
2: Missouri, and Arkansas. So you're guaranteed three wins. They they could run out there with their fourth team from last year and win those games. The other ones, Ole Miss, is that a guaranteed dub for LSU? I'm going to say yes. So they are going to play three starters in game one from last year. Yeah. Three. That's unheard of.
1: thats That, is, that doesn't happen to any. They're going to have 65 or so kids on scholarship by the time this is over. And originally, I might have... And I, I wasn't giving Miles Brennan slack going into this year. He did have Terrace Marshall coming back alongside Jamar Chase, but Terrace Marshall by himself, although he still had 13 touchdowns last year, Terrace Marshall on any other team, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's, that guy's receiver number one. So they at least still do have one guy in the receiving court. But how much did Terrace Marshall last year, who was the number three receiver in last year's receiving core for LSU, how much did he benefit from the fact that Jamar Chase – and Justin Jefferson were the two guys around him right it, it's kind of we've talked about this with Alabama I think Jalen Waddle in the Iron Bowl though showed how good of a receiver he was and how he was able to put the team on his back it's like all of these receivers benefit from each other and so now Terrace Marshall's the only guy at wide receiver for LSU and I see Miles Brennan struggling so much this passing game is broken Joe Brady's gone Joe Burrow's gone passing game is broken new offensive line how are they going to run the football in this league they're bad, the man. problems are mounting let's say lsu goes five and five this year all right let's give them uh, at least an average scenario five and five next year do you have the confidence with the way that they've recruited the quarterback position to do better than eight wins probably not they're gonna edo's on the hot seat three years from now
2: they're gonna have to find another transfer and the transfer market market is usually hot you can find a guy to come play for you but if, if he does what we think he's going to do this year and then he loses more guys into next year's draft and you're talking in a coronavirus year five and 5 and then in a year where you play three cupcakes in 2021, a 7-5, and five, I'm not so sure if he's not the next Gene Chiswick to where they gave you two years, you've absolutely blown it, you've shown no promise to be able to do this by yourself. He's a five-loss coach. He is Gus Malzahn. He is... Of course. He's worked. Well, he's not he's not as good as an X and O's coach as Gus Melzon is, at least. But he's a, he's an eight and four, seven and five guy. And I don't see how Gus Gus's best thing going for him is he hasn't won a national title. The worst thing that almost happened to O was to win a national title. Now everybody's got their eyes on you, and you turn it around with a five and five and a six and six or a seven and five next year, and people in Baton Rouge are losing their mind.
1: Yeah, and he's gonna get exposed. I really, I really uh, see it coming. It, I think he's been gonna get exposed. I think he's been exposed in the past. He just got it. He found a way to Catch stars blind. lightning in a bottle. Yeah, Catch a frog in the bayou. Right something i don't know that's probably not that a very good cajun i don't know it's just really bad cajun reference i was trying to do there but on the other side of this break we'll talk to justin ferguson he's launched a new platform called the auburn observer gonna be excited about his innovative content he's got coming your way we'll talk to him on the other side of this break here on on the line
0: You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Welcome back to On the Line
1: on AU100 Kicks 96.3 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner joined by Auburn Beat Reporter Justin Ferguson. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, though. Well, first, let's talk about what you've launched recently with the Auburn Observer, a new platform for you. I want to give you a second to kind of give, give a good promotional, um, a, good, a good moment of promotion for it here on the show and tell everybody where they can find all of your stuff.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I have launched a uh, new subscription a newsletter uh, called the Auburn Observer uh, through Substack. Uh, it's going to come along with a podcast that uh, myself and Painter Sharpless are going to do twice a week. Um, Yeah, I'm going to kind of do the stuff that uh, if you've followed me or read me in the past, kind of stuff I was doing at The Athletic, um, and just switch it over to kind of an independent outlet since uh, I'm no longer working there. Um, And so, you know, we're going to just try it out and see. Um, The early response has been fantastic from our fans. A lot of people have been excited and have signed up, and uh, that's been really cool. And what we're doing right now is, you know, throughout the entire month of September, uh, everything's gonna be free every every article every um every podcast is gonna be 100 percent free I'll give you a chance to kind of try it out go through a you know first football week when auburn plays Kentucky, and, and kind of get the whole scope before uh you know I ask you for any money to uh, you know kind of keep it keep it going so uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna see how it works so we've already got a story up um you know on uh, on Anthony Schwartz, we're gonna do mailbags we're gonna do film rooms and we're gonna do a bunch of that stuff along with the podcast so if you want to check it out, just go to auburnobserver.com and it'll take it over there to the sub stack and you can uh, sign up for free right now. And uh, yeah, not starting October 1st, we'll switch to paid. But if you want to um, if you want to check it out right now, you got the whole month to do it.
1: So. Constantly one of the most innovative content creators out there in the Auburn athletics universe. I mean, I've always enjoyed your film rooms and whatnot. Um, so I'm really excited to see you get this thing started. But let's dive into some Auburn sports here and let's talk about it and give people a sneak peek. Of, uh, of some of what you've got to offer on the Auburn Observer. Talking about Auburn, and, and we found out Auburn's kickoff time, at least for the, a couple of the games this season, we found out as the SEC unveiled that yesterday or a couple days ago, rather, noon kickoff against the Kentucky Wildcats, the epitome of brutality, 2020 strikes again. Am I right? <laughs> for sure. I mean, I, I was talking to Josh
3: at the advertiser, about this earlier. And we were like, man, Auburn fans, he was like, man, Auburn fans really hate uh, these early kickoffs. I was like, yeah, it's 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 the worst for, for, for them for sure. And Auburn's record hasn't been horrible in those games recently. But, you know, it's still just to, every every ghost and every, like, fear that you have about Auburn football seems to come up at 11 o'clock, this 11 o'clock kick. So, it's kind of brutal. But, but like you said, pretty fitting that 2020, uh, the first game of the season, is going to be right out of the gate. It's going to be
1: at 11 o'clock. And against a team as experienced as Kentucky, and, and you, you got me, I, I'm not, I don't follow what's happening in Lexington uh, word for word, but we know what's happening here in Auburn, and Auburn's got 16 guys out for practice this past week due to COVID-related issues. Auburn's needing this practice time to kind of come together and gel as a unit in areas where they're a little bit younger, but Kentucky seems to be experienced everywhere. Experience seems like it's going to be a factor in game one.
3: For sure, and yeah, it's going to be one of those things where you know most of the season we're going to have like a kind of feels randomized, like who's going to be able to play, who's not going to be able to play. With the testing and the contact tracing and stuff like that, from what I know, Kentucky has not had a ton of problems with that. And yeah, they are a very experienced team. This team's going to love to run the ball. Um, you know, it, it got a really good offensive line play for the last few years. That should be no, uh, no question. They're going to have some more of that. Uh, you know, in, in 2020, solid defense as well. Um, you know, Kavatsia Smoke, smokers an Alabama native. Supposed to be a really big running back from this year, and then they get Terry Wilson back um, from uh, you know, from injury that cost him most of last season. Great dual threat quarterback. So yeah, it's they're going to be a challenge. I think across the board, Auburn's a more talented team, but Kentucky's going to have the experience factor in there, and they're going to they're going to be itching for a big, you know, kind of signature t- type of win uh, early on, and to come down to Jordan Harris Stadium and try to get it will be be really interesting. So Auburn has got to make the most of uh, the practice time they've got uh, left, trying to get the guys you know cleared and um, safe as possible, and then just kind of turn and lose from there. And I'll be very curious over the next few weeks to see how some of those units, like you were talking about, uh, are going to gel because um, it is kind of tough. You're not going to have all hands on deck right now because people are trying to stay as safe as possible with COVID, with, uh, with
1: the testing and the tracing and all that. I'm not, I'm not sure what inside information you have on this but what unit right now through the offseason seems to have been impacted the most through uh through all of those issues.
3: Yeah, it, it, it is interesting because we haven't really been able to tell like specifically who it looks like yet but if you look at kind of look at the the group right now uh you know for Auburn they they've been, they seem to have had most of their guys you know, at wide receiver, you kind of have to do price as a low nation. Most of the guys are receiver. Most of the guys are secondary. Linebacker, you know, you did you did lose a couple of guys for opting out. Um, so I, I think just the thing is, I don't know if absences have been a big deal. I know injuries have been a big deal uh, in the past for this year. And, and then there's so much spotlight on the offensive line. And I think that's the one, you know, if all our fans are worried about that group um, right now, it, it, it makes sense. They have just one returning starter Nick Nick Brahms. Um, and they're just trying to find – who could be the best fits for them up front? And, and, and Malzahn said on Sunday night he wants to have a bet 10, and people might be like, well, that seems like a lot. But, like, in this day and age, you're going to have to have a ton of depth up there. And so just, you know, any sort of absence, um, you know, if they're having a, a decent amount of them up front, um, it, but any sort of absence is going to really affect that offense wide because they do not um, have a ton of experience together. So it's it's got to be one of those things where, You know, I don't know if that's been one of the units that's been adversely affected. I do know, Uh, you know, that Bo Nix has been out there. It seems like the star players on defense have been able to be out there. But it's just that question mark you have to have, especially on that offensive line. Um, That is the one where, you know, if anybody's out, and even if it means that they're being out on the other side of the ball on defense, it might not be, you know, getting as as good a reps as they possibly could have if the team was at full strength. You just got to worry about that group a little bit and see, you know, how much they're going to be able to kind of gel over these next few weeks uh, with all the injuries uh, that they're having to come back from, and also just some of the uncertainty and the the challenges that uh, COVID brings.
1: Speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, Justin, let's change this to a different shade of blue, talking about Kentucky again, and what kind of role do you think Joey Gatewood's situation could play in going into this football game I mean he hasn't even been cleared yet and it, yeah. you know you look at across town and you see Georgia and they've got JT Daniels already cleared and Gatewood transferred last season and, uh, and Daniels ch- changed uh changed colors this past summer so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to look at that situation but you got to imagine Kentucky's going to go out and ride for their for their guy yeah
3: for sure I mean, it, it really is, it is just a joke from NCAA that certain guys get cleared and certain guys don't. And the fact that Joey Gatewood has not heard anything is ridiculous. I mean, especially, like you said, JC Daniels being a perfect example. now that we know that Jamie Newman uh, at Georgia is not going to be playing this season. So, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think if, at this point, if Joey Gatewood was magically cleared between now and the start of the Auburn game, I would imagine they would try to use him in some sort of capacity, maybe some wildcats, stuff like that. When he went to Kentucky, it wasn't along the lines of, we need you right now. Now, you know, he's a, he's a talented player as Auburn fans. You know, Saul, you know, especially when he gets to run the ball. Um, you know, so the, it wasn't like they that they didn't think he was – he couldn't help him out right now. But they had they had Terry Wilson coming back, and they knew that he was going to be coming back from that injury. He is a senior. And it just felt like, you know, if you have to sit out of here, 2021 was going to be the year where Gay Wood, you know, really gets the time to turn it loose. And you think about how they run the ball uh, pretty well at Kentucky with that with their running back group, with their offensive line. He seemed to be a perfect fit. So, you know, if he is cleared to play, I would imagine um, Kentucky would let him, you know, kind of get some snaps at a, at his former home. But I think at this point with as long as it's taken, um, and as much as I've heard out of Kentucky about the progress of Terry Wilson coming back from that injury, I, I really think, you know, it's not one of those things where, you know, Gatewood gets cleared, he's going to come and beat Auburn. It's it's going to be one of those things where I think he would, I would imagine, help him out. But, you know, it's taken the NCAA so long to make any sort of statement on him that I just don't think the chances are good that we see Gatewood injured and at the season opener, and might be until 2021, sadly, until we get to see him
1: play again. Out in Athens, you already alluded to this, Jamie Newman opting out of the 2020 football season now it's JT Daniels term I would assume they haven't announced him as the starter yet but I would imagine he will be how does Auburn match up with Georgia going into this year that's their second opponent of the season
3: yeah it is going to be really crazy to watch this team this year because this Georgia offense uh, has to reload quite a bit you know you lose your, your top running backs you lose your quarterback you lose most of that offensive line that was so good last year returning some weapons at wide receiver. I know George Pickens is a key thing. I'm very interested to see how quickly JT Daniels kind of settles himself in as a starter because you know not only has he uh, is he going to be thrust into this role early, um, you know he hasn't been around as long. I mean he hadn't been as, he hadn't been to Georgia as long as Jamie Newman had been. You know after he transferred from Wake Forest. So um, it is interesting because I really thought Jamie Newman was going to be a great fit for what they are trying to do. On offense with their new offensive offensive coordinator. Um, defensively, they're going to be great. I mean, this is going to be a team defensively that is going to give um, everybody that play problems. Kind of like it was last year for for Auburn. They did lose some. They did lose some key players, but it's Georgia They recruited at a really high level and kind of rebuilt. I'm expecting that Georgia defense to be really, really strong again. It's just you know that offense is going to be kind of up in the air. Um, and, and Auburn catching them early, I think, before. That offensive line has time to gel for the new running game kind of takes shape. New quarterback being thrust into a into a situation on the fly. I think Auburn's gonna be able to benefit uh, you know, from that. So it is gonna be an interesting game. I think, you know, out of all these years that Auburn has had trouble playing in Athens and getting a win at Athens, I believe it's been six oh five, I think. This the last time they did, I could be wrong on that number, but it's been a while since they've won in Athens. I do know one thing. This is probably going to be their best chance just because of the weirdness of the season, how early it's being played as compared to when you usually play them in November. And on top of that, you know, it's just it's just a weird
1: Georgia roster, especially on offense right now. So they're going to have to work through some things early. Justin, you're a big time basketball guy. What, what's the latest coming out of Auburn basketball? I know they're just kind of working out, but what's the latest there? Yeah,
3: it's, it's, it's just they are back on. Campus and they've been practicing in the workout. I've been going pretty well, you know, from what I've from what I've been able to to, to pick up. It's uh, a lot of real uh, hikes for some of these young guys, these freshmen that are coming in. People are really really excited about and just and just seeing how they go because this is going to be a super young basketball team this year. And you know, with all the guys um, that they have coming back that were kind of role players, they're going to have to step up and, and take in. Bigger roles, whether it's a guy like Dave, Devin Cambridge or you know and Bola or you know Jalen Williams, guys like that, can they step up and, and make that make that move? But what I've I've been really interested to see, and, and here is just these, these young freshmen coming in and hitting the ground running. And Sharif Cooper's got to be you know the big one. I saw a uh, saw an NBA mock draft earlier today um, that had him as a you know right on the edge of the lottery. And this is supposed to be a stacked 2022, or I'm sorry, 2021 uh NBA draft class so it is kind of crazy but it's just kind of what you see out of the talent from him he's gotten a rave review since he's gotten on campus and he, they're relying on him to do a lot he's going to be a young team and he's going to be the face of it and uh so it's going to be a lot to to take in I think Auburn fans I've been I've been saying this this team will have to take a lot longer probably to get going than some of Bruce Pearl's last few really good teams um, but, you know, especially in a year like this where there's so many uncertainties, look what college basketball is going to look like in 2020. But I will say this, um, they're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be built to run and gun and play defense, um, you know, that, that high press and turnover style that we've got accustomed to seeing from Bruce Pearl that they had to kind of tweak last year because of their 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 uh, the roster they have. But this year, I think they're going to be really, really built um, to play that kind of up-and-down style. So if you can be patient with them, uh, Auburn fans, I think you, you, it'll pay off because uh, they're going to be they're going to be really fun and exciting.
1: Auburn fans and patience, not always a a, a good match, but uh, <laughs> Justin, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your stuff once again.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Jay FergusonAU. It's always the easiest way to get up with me and see what's going on. Yeah, you can read my new stuff at uh, at the Auburn Observer. That is the that is, auburnobserver.com auburnobserver.com it'll redirect you there you can sign up and uh, get uh, get the stories emailed straight into your to your inbox whenever we post them and uh, podcasts as well And like I said at the beginning uh, we're doing the entire month of September free so everybody can kind of get a chance to check it out before we switch over to paid in October so I hope you uh, hope you guys join on and uh, man I really really appreciate you letting me come on it's a lot of fun uh, Uh, talking a bunch of different uh, Auburn stuff with you, so I, I really appreciate
1: it. We'll have to get you on again sometime. Justin, thank you again. I hope you have a good day. Yes, sir. Thank
0: you, man. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Back on On the Line
1: on Fox Sports Central Alabama, AU100 and Kicks 96.3 or on demand on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. A big thank you to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Really excited to see things coming his way. He's constantly one of the most innovative content creators in the Auburn athletics universe. Uh, Very talented Auburn beat reporters A very Uh, Pumped to see his newest platform launch. Once again, that is the Auburn Observer. But now it's time for Speed Round presented by Lance Brown Allstate. Car accidents, they happen every day. To make sure your insurance rates won't go up just because of an accident, stop by or call 334-758-0088 to talk about accident forgiveness today. Are you in good hands? Jeremy, same rules as always. Two minutes per each question. We're going to run through all these varieties of topics. I know you just looked at the sheet for the first time, as you do every week, right before we're doing it. That's how you get a
2: genuine answer.
1: That's fair. It's all right off the cuff. You ready to go, my man? Ready to go. Here we go. Question number one. Which team is in the worst situation, Georgia or LSU, considering two very key players, the most key player on each team? um, Is keyest a word? (laughs) I'll answer this on two parts. (laughs) They opted out. If you're...
2: Uh, who's in the mo- who's in the worst situation? More recent, it's Georgia because you thought you had a chance to win a national title, at least compete for one, and compete for an SEC title. Now it's not happening anymore. Since the beginning of this whole offseason, season, who has a worse, worse, worse situation? Georgia's going to go seven and three. They can win seven games. Not LSU. They're in a very, very bad place.
1: Long-term I, LSU's in trouble, right?
2: Long-term. I don't really think it's just this year. It's long-term LSU in trouble. They're in a bad situation for coronavirus year. They're in a bad situation for the next couple of years. It looks like. I mean, if these two if these two teams play ten times this year, this is out to who's in a worse situation. Georgia wins all ten.
1: One hundred percent. And I, and I think it all depends on what your expectations were. Like yeah. LSU's going to get a pass this year if they go five and five because you know how much they lost. Georgia, on the other hand, was expected to win the SEC East. Maybe not in our eyes, but generally across the nation people were picking georgia and were super high up on jamie newman well now foot in mouth jamie newman's gone and you can't bet on that anymore right and georgia's put again jt daniels who could be good could not be the stats aren't overly impressive but they don't tell the story he's two years removed from an actual starting role on a college football team it's kind of joe burrow-esque isn't it like kind of (laughs) J T. Daniels
2: and Joe Burrow in the same senate. Just kind of. Did you the the Joe Burrow thing came and went so quickly, but I can't remember Joe Burrow
1: before he was Joe Burrow. Like I know he didn't have great numbers. He
2: didn't play, but he looks like a good. He looks like he could play quarterback. You know, like he's six four and a half.
1: J T. Daniels looks like he plays the trumpet.
2: Yeah, that's exactly like (laughs) Joe. Joe Burrow, like that picture of him like walking out to Bengals practice with the gun showing it looks like an nfl qb like i look at think about looks like a future bachelor i, yeah, <laughs> too. Like, I don't think joe burrow was that attractive in college either was it? I mean, he just
1: look like macaulay they were making macaulay culkin jokes and now he looks like he's on the bachelor yeah what's up next question number two did kirby smart mismanage the justin Fields situation you gotta wonder where georgia would be at right now if justin fields was still on the roster And now he's not playing football this year because the Big Ten canceled. So he's not in a great place because we know he wants to play ball. And George is over here like, man, how do we win the SEC East? We got a dude who plays the trumpet at quarterback.
2: Did Kirby Smart (laughs) mismanage the Justin Fields situation? Is toilet paper white? Yes. Is Nick Saban the best coach in college football? Yes. Yes.
1: seemed to be some hesitation on the Nick Saban answer.
2: Did, Did Kirby Smart mismanage this situation? Yes, I think How,
1: I heard a small road in the bat to the Nick Saban question. Go no, think,
2: yeah, I don't know who that. Who, who's the producer? Clemson this show? fans, yeah, or Auburn fans? Did look at last last year. I don't think you need to wait until this year to figure out if Kirby Smart mismanaged this situation. There's only like one guy who's ever in, in recent times been able to keep both guys like that on the roster, and it. I think it has been Nick Saban. I can even look at Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant. I mean, that instantly, as soon as Trevor's the starter, Kelly Bryant's gone. Yeah, Justin Fields should have been playing quarterback for Georgia last year but Kirby Smart handled the situation all wrong you gotta loyalty is for the team and Kirby Smart had loyalty to the first quarterback he ever truly recruited to Georgia and you saw it because Justin Fields should have been on the the field 12 out of 12 times that he and Jake Fromm would have been on the same team
1: and he never was am I crazy for saying that? No, I mean, you look at what he's done at Ohio State. I don't know if that was necessarily a development thing that occurred because he went to Columbus. I think he already had that in him. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just
2: every time that they were, they were on the sideline together, what, 14 times in, in 2018, the 2018 season, Justin Fields was a better quarterback every time the Georgia Bulldogs took the field when he and Jake Plum were on the same team.
1: I think this is a legacy-defining mismanagement By Kirby smart or at least it could be I mean mean, JT Daniels could work out if JT Daniels doesn't work out though and let's say Florida wins the SEC East let's say Florida wins the SEC East this year let's say Georgia doesn't win it next year let's say Georgia goes two years without winning it whereas if Justin Fields would have been on the roster for the next two years at least this year he would have been Kirby's gonna be on the hot seat because how can you differentiate what Kirby's done and you've made this point already in his career. How can you differentiate what Kirby's done from what Mark Rick did? They're, a,
2: they're identical. And for Kirby Smart, once again, the loyalty should be to the team. It hurts coaches to bench a player that they love. But eventually, the team has to come first. And Justin Fields was a better player. He knew it. He still didn't get the starting nod. Transfers to Ohio State. Beats out some quarterbacks and plays on a top four team in the country and almost wins the Heisman Trophy. Arguably a top two team in the country. I mean, he's the, he was one of the best quarterbacks. If it wasn't for um, Joe Burrow, who we just talked about, Justin Fields wins the Heisman. Yeah. Kirby Smart, he fumbled this one, man. And he picked, he picked the player that he loved most on the team and gave him the loyalty because he started so many games. And Nick Saban almost lost the Natty doing this with Jalen. And he finally said, I got to pull him. You got to show the loyalty to the team. It's about wins and losses, and your team deserves that, and Kirby Smart didn't do the right thing.
1: It very well cost him another SEC championship. If Justin Fields is on this roster, Georgia could have won an SEC championship last year. This year, they could have gone to the national championship. It very well – we don't know for a fact, but it very well could have cost him an SEC championship and a national championship, or at least a national championship appearance or another shot at the playoff. I don't know, but it's cost them much higher accolades – than what they did last year, even just by making it there and getting spanked by LSU in the SEC title game. Question number three: What are your thoughts on the Week One television schedule that the SEC released this past week?
2: Trap game, Auburn already. I mean, it's already a trap game, but, it's right? a, but now it's eleven o'clock, and you're <laughs> right. like, "Wow, man! If we could have gotten this at night, it would have been a bit of been different." Start off the year, eleven o'clock. Alabama somehow finds a night game with no fans in the stands. Like, how does this happen? They've had, like, two night games over the last decade, it feels like. Television viewership,
1: plain and simple, the ratings for the Alabama game will be higher well, undeniably in that, than any other game in this with league. That,
2: with that theory, Alabama should always play the 645 kid. But you can't because of rules that they have, like Look, the stipulations. SC, the SEC doesn't have that the The ESPN doesn't have that rule.
1: The SEC has a rule where they can only pick a team four times. Right, so, and that's what I'm saying is like there's stipulations in the league that prevents Alabama from doing that. ESPN's over here, like, well, we what, what's going to get us the best ratings week one here, and it's going to be Alabama because let's just be real. Ninety percent of the Alabama fan base may not have gone to Alabama, but they certainly love to watch themselves some Alabama football and then Kentucky basketball in December.
2: What percentage of the Auburn fan base went to Auburn?
1: I don't know. I just I don't. I, it's right. much higher. It may be higher. Our but fan base it, is smaller though.
2: It isn't like ninety-five percent of Auburn fans went to Auburn. That's just not true. That's just not true. Next question.
1: <laughs> get out. Of here. I didn't even get my thoughts on the schedule though.
2: Oh but well, you just made me mad. Just saying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, all the digs you've given me, I love it though. What Plus, dig? Like, I just <laughs> dig the program. Like,
2: I, I mean, Auburn, Auburn's fans did not all go to Auburn. That's what fair. about all those people stacked up in those trailer parks around Auburn? I mean, Opelika. Sure, what do you mean, the students? I mean, <laughs> no, no, there's some of those, but if you drive towards Auburn, it ain't it ain't like the big city boys.
1: There's a lot of people out there that go to that love Auburn that you're talking about right now. that are just all Alabama fans. Question number four, what are your thoughts on the reaction to the Big Ten's cancellation of the season? Right now it seems to be a PR nightmare for the Big Ten. And Donald Trump having a conversation with Kevin (laughs) Warren, the commissioner.
2: Trump played him. He played him. So now it's, in this not to be political, but it's now Trump has called you and told you, told everybody he called you to play college football. Kevin Warren, it sucks that he's in his first few years as the commissioner because if he had five or six years, nobody would be doubting him. But he's the new guy on the block in the Power Five. Him and Greg Sankey both. Kind of the new guys kind of on the block right here. Larry Scott thinks he's smarter than everybody. Harvard and Harvard tennis guy. But if this was Jim Delaney and Jim Delaney made this decision, I don't think there would be any pushback. But because Kevin Warren is the new guy, it's going to be – it's been tough for him because everybody's going to second guess you. Everybody's going to question every move because you're not Jim Delaney. And I think Kevin Warren, his biggest issue is his son's playing football at mississippi state and it's just not a great look for him even though he did he's not the one who voted by the way and i'll give him a pass because he's not the one who voted you had what 12 what was it nine to four or something like that presidents
1: and chancellors vote to not play football this is going to hurt the big 10 a whole lot more than it's going to hit the pac 12 as far as recruiting is concerned nobody is mad about the pac 12 canceling football and you know, that, you know how people tell you, your coach yells at you because he loves you. Your coach yells at you because he wants mm-hmm. you to get better and reach your goals. When the coach stops yelling at you, he probably doesn't care anymore. He probably doesn't feel like he's spending his energy yeah. on You're you is worth calls. it, right? Yeah. It's like nobody's yelling about the Pac-12. Nobody cares about it. Why would I waste my energy yelling about something that I don't even care that it's gone? But people care about the big Ten being gone. We lost Ohio State, Michigan. We saw some, we lost some big time programs. We lost Ohio State, Penn State, which has been a better game than Ohio State, Michigan in recent and years. We lost three contenders. I think three real playoff contenders. Right, and so that's one side of it that we lost something that we care about. But the other side of it, I think that some of the recruits that would choose the Big Ten, uh, would choose a Big Ten school like Ohio State. Now that they're not watching Ohio State play football this year, or even the guys that could choose Michigan or Penn State, will now choose. SEC or ACC schools as opposed to those Big Ten schools. I think those Big Ten schools, this is like taking a one-year death penalty, it's not bad. being able to play football. I still think the guys who are going to commit to Pac-12 schools out west in L.A. and up and down the west coast, they're still going to commit to go and play at those schools. That's not going to change anything. The Big Ten, definitely, they, they the, needed football this year.
2: The best of the best are going to find their way to Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida. You know, the, the guys that are signing with with Penn State may go to Pitt or, or something along those lines. But the Pac-12 is, has an even bigger problem because nobody cares if they canceled. You can look at that two ways because they did put out, like, a 100-page info about why they're canceling, and they actually weren't even allowed to be on campus. When the Big Ten canceled, the Pac-12 coaches were just allowed in the office the day before. It's not like they were in the same situation, the same scenario, and nobody out west is playing high school football Everything's happening in the Midwest, and you just have the Pac-12 president say that. I mean, excuse me, the Big Ten president say, we're just not going to play, and that is not a great look for the Big Ten.
1: Oh, man, it's it's, it's parents so, are mad at him. When the, when, you, when the players are suing him, the mamas are mad at him.
2: They, they won't release any information. Yeah. They won't release the public minutes, and it's very. It's going to be. I think it could be very damning if they did, because you're really going to see what was talked about behind closed doors and it's probably not a legitimate excuse to cancel college football.
1: You know, I'm sure you've probably heard this saying in a relationship term, but, you know, when the when the dad doesn't like you, you're a rebel. When the mom doesn't like you, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> it's like you, you're definitely bad if the mama doesn't like you. Mamas are mad right now, and uh, they're all over the Big Ten at the moment. Last question here because we're running short on time. Does college football need a commissioner? Is it time? for college football to have a unifying force. I know we've talked about this a little bit, maybe even differentiating divisions, having the power five have its own level. I want to hear your thoughts reiterated again.
2: Yes. College football needs a commissioner. It's time to stop treating college football as if it is college softball, baseball, as if it's track and field. Uh, it's it's not the same thing. This is a gen- This is a money generator. This is a... for Power 5 schools, if you go D1 at a Power 5 school, you're expecting to have a legitimate shot to go play pro football. I don't care if it's Minnesota or Alabama. You're playing in one of the top premier programs in the country for roughly those 64 or so teams. And it's time to stop treating these kids like they're just jolly happy to go get an education because that's not why they're there. They should be there for that, and it's a great add-on. But these players are not there for that, and it's time to start recognizing that. And we need a unified body, a unified voice for college football. And five separate five separate commissioners working for 64 separate athletics directors and 64 different presidents isn't going to get the job done. And that's why we have the chaos that we have now.
1: That does it for Speed Round, brought to you by Allstate agent Lance Brown. Car accidents that happen every day to make sure your insurance rates won't go up just because of an accident. Stop by or call 334-758-0088 to talk about accident forgiveness today. Are you in good hands? Wrapping up the show on the other side of this break, talking about Auburn and their coronavirus concerns going into week one of the college football season.
0: You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On The Line. Back on On
1: The Line, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law here with you wrapping up today's show. Auburn's got 16 players out this past week due to COVID-19-related issues. That was according to Gus Malzahn at his press conference over the weekend on Sunday a week ago, nearly from today. Auburn definitely not in a great position. I mean, since this past week, at the beginning of this week, when they practiced for the first time, it had been since last Tuesday, or two Tuesdays ago now, that Auburn had had a practice They had multiple position groups hit by this. At least it sounded like two position groups had been hit by this. We don't know what position groups they were, but they weren't even able to practice on the Wednesday directly after. And so – you're looking at this picture right now for Auburn preparing for a team that is uber-experienced in Kentucky. They're a top-three experienced team in this league, and when we talk about experience in the SEC, there are three teams, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Kentucky. They, they bring back the most experience out of any other team in the SEC. It's all com- comparable when you look at the, the three schools there. Kentucky, and they want Auburn because of Joey Gatewood. They want Auburn. They want them. And they're going to go out there and ride for their guy. And now an yeah. 11 a.m. kickoff, issues seem to be compounding for Auburn. I'm not trying to set up a gloom and doom situation because everybody's favorite thing is to say that Auburn's on upset alert for week one, that Auburn's the team. And I, I typically like to think a little bit more outside the box than what's obvious. But there are compounding issues right now for Auburn going into week one preparation in a couple of weeks.
2: You've seen position groups for other uh, teams across the country. This happened LSU's entire offensive line room apparently has it. If I'm coaches, I'm figuring out ways that none of us have to sit in a room together. We'll have our player meeting on Zoom. We'll have to do something because outside, I think you're going to almost be good to go with coronavirus if you're practicing in the hot sun. but If you're locking all these guys up in a room and, yeah, you're disinfecting, but somebody coughs and it goes into somebody's mouth, there's nobody doubting that coronavirus is super contagious. There's not. I mean, it, it, people have caught coronavirus, and there's been false tests, but all, I'm going to guess the majority of tests are probably correct. But if your coaches and your players, you think that we're going to have to find ways to make sure that we're not in a dark film room with no lights, watching a projector on how to stop certain things that another team is doing. we got to find better ways to be able to be in close contact with Better than being in close contact with each other outside of the playing field. And they just, they're, they're tri-testing now in the SEC three times per week. Or they will be. I or don't they, know if they've started it uh, yeah, yet. Yeah, you're right. They will be. Like, I think maybe it's like two weeks before games start, they'll be tri-testing. Yeah. So if you have it, it's going to pop up. And coaches and players are going to have to do a better job. And I know they're trying, but they're going to have to do a better job. And for Auburn – you think about it if it's just 16 players you got like 120 guys that walk with walk-ons included that are out there that, that people say how did you get practice you could practice but if it wipes out your whole offensive line room or your entire quarterback room which may have happened in Alabama at least with a couple of quarterbacks you're 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 10 days behind right yeah
1: well Malzahn was talking about what type of protocols they had to take when a guy gets the coronavirus and it's at least two weeks you're out like 10 days quarantine. And then like another week, I believe so like recovery, 17 days. recovery. Yeah. like just to be sure that you are free of it. Right. Well, so, and, and there's, there's two weeks re- quarantine. And then there's a week of like, you've got to test positive to get back on the field. There's
2: a reacclimation because you, apparently when you have, I haven't had it or maybe I haven't, I didn't know it, but if you get it and you have symptoms, you don't eat, you're tired. And as, like the flu, if you've had the flu, you don't want to do anything for a while. You just don't feel up to it. And I think the reacclimation period is going to be very important for the players because this isn't a slow game. This isn't a game that you can do at 30 40%. You're going to get hurt doing that, and you're going to injure yourself because you're coming back after a virus. And and your team's going to lose. Yeah. With the backup it, I, I, listen, I'm not an Auburn fan. I hate to see that this has happened to the program. Auburn playing football is great for the state of Alabama. It is great for the city of Auburn. It, I, it, I, it's going to happen to everybody. And I, I hate that. What if Alabama-Georgia weekend, what happens when Alabama's offensive line unit has corona? Well, everybody in the room has to has to social distance or contact. they so contact trace their way to the 17 guys on your roster that play offensive line. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. It's disturbing, and you know, at least it's happening in the preseason. Well, that's though, where you or... want it to happen, right? right. And and people are kind of going after Gus about this. What does Gus Malzahn
1: have to do? I haven't this? seen that.
2: I, mean, I haven't seen people going after. They're Gus. just criticizing. There people. Everybody wants to criticize Gus. There's people that are just sitting out there waiting to criticize somebody about this. And what can Gus Malzahn do? If you think that Auburn and Alabama and these big money programs aren't doing everything that they, they at least think they can possibly do. To make sure that you don't have an outbreak on your team, I think you're crazy. You just, you have a different set. You have a different agenda than what you're really putting out there.
1: Talking about this from an X's and O standpoint, Auburn's going to have all these guys back. Yeah. God willing, we'll have all these guys back by week one when the season starts, but you've now lost significant development time. I won't say preparation time because you really don't set your eyes on Kentucky until at least within two weeks of game one, which we're not within yet. We're still about three weeks out. Now from the start of the college football season. So when you look at it and you evaluate it, you've only lost development time, but for Auburn, it's a little bit more important development time. I would also asterisk this and I would call it gelling time because there are certain position groups like the offensive line group. If it were to have been one of the groups that was Mm -hmm. hit by this, where like missing two weeks of development time where you could be working together and and developing chemistry, it's going to set you behind a little bit when you're playing a defense like Kentucky's that's under under the radar pretty good. They don't give up like 21 points a game last year. So for Auburn, the concerns are piling up when you talk about this from an X's and O standpoint going into week one, because experience already was going to play a factor. Now on top of this, Kentucky, I'm not necessarily going to say that they're more prepared than Auburn, but they definitely had more time to to gel and come together in places that maybe they weren't bringing as much back. Yeah.
2: And so because of the late start teams have actually had an extra two, three and a half to four weeks to get ready. Yeah. So some, luckily for Auburn and some of these other teams the gelling could have happened before. And yeah, it's going to be a hiccup But you have had extra days because of the delayed start to the season to get ready and this, I think, this is why the the start was delayed because you knew a couple of these issues were going to happen, and now you can figure out better ways to stop this from happening. One hundred percent. And I think there's, I think, just like MLB, just like
1: how the NFL is rolling up right now, they're gonna, they're just, they're gonna push through this because you find a way. And that'll do it for another edition of On the Line on AU100, Fox Sports Central, Alabama, and Kicks 96.3. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to On the Line, the product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net.